Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, We are in the middle of a series called Multiply, Multiply. We are all talking about how do we multiply the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? What does that look like? How do we do it? What does it even mean? What is this fruit of the Spirit in the first place? Those are all fantastic questions. We're going to try to dive into that today. Today's fruit of the Spirit that we're going to tackle is the fruit of peace. Peace. We've done love. We've done joy. And now we're doing peace. Um, These are some big ticket items of heavy hitting what we need in our lives. And I think today's um, study of what peace actually is can really, 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 really help us um, live our lives. I think being peaceful in who we are being um, and, and chasing that in our lives can have one of the biggest ramifications for how we express ourselves, how we are taken, how others see us, how we actually bear fruit in the world. Because there's a lot of, if the opposite of peace is angst, frustration, turmoil, all you got to do is click on the TV or the radio for five seconds and you're going to hear a lot of turmoil, a lot of angst, a lot of frustration, right? And so I think this is a moment in our, even in our country's history, in our community's history, in which if we can be bringers of peace and bear the fruit of peace, we can have a huge impact in the people around us, in our own families, um, drawing even ourselves closer and closer and closer to God through that. And so that's what we're going to delve into today. Very light topic. Should be able to cover it all in about 15 minutes, right? <laughs> I have, uh, last week, I don't know if you know this, it was the lo- longest message I've ever given in my life. And no one even got up and walked out to go to the bathroom. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, anyway... Uh, my dad had a stern talking to me about that afterwards, but it, you know, other than that, we're all right. Um, so today we're going to turn in our Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. What does it mean to bear fruit in your life? It means this, simply moving yourself and those around you towards Christ. Moving yourself and those around you towards Christ. What does that look like? What does it mean? How do we do it? Those are what we're discussing. But moving ourselves and those around us towards Christ. These are huge topics that we're kind of delving into. But if I'm going to bear fruit in my life, the fruit for myself is, am I drawing closer to God in this? Because if I'm going to church, if I'm doing the things um, that that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not moving closer to God, if I'm really honest with myself and I'm not moving any closer to God, then something is broken, something is missing. There is a a wall that I'm hitting and we need to identify those so we can break through and kind of have the life that we hope for, that we feel like we're promised by Christ uh, in the scripture. And how do we identify these areas, maybe these roadblocks, these speed bumps, these walls that are thrown up in our way? Um, And so moving yourself towards Christ looks like that. And then moving those around us towards Christ. Are we the speed bump in somebody else close around us's life? I don't want to think about that, right? But is my actions, is the way I treat someone, is the, way, the baggage that maybe I'm carrying or throwing out, is that causing the faith speed bumps for the people around me? So that's not the fruit of the spirit. That's the fruit 
of the enemy. And so I want to have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and everything else that's in the song. I want to have that in my life. And so am I putting those roadblocks in other people's lives? And, and, and that takes some serious self-reflection. Maybe you don't really want to go there. You don't want to think about that. Am I, am I the problem? Or maybe you're always there. I'm always the problem. I'm the, cut yourself a little slack. Hold on a second. Um, they have their, they've got control of their issues as well. Uh, so moving yourself and those around you towards Christ. Verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, which is Old Testament stuff. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Um, That's sensuality. It's a fun word. Uh, Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is a list that Paul is giving to say it's not all-encompassing. That's not all the sins in the world, and that's not all the virtues in the world, but it's a pretty good place to start. If I have love and peace and joy and patience in my life, we're doing pretty good in chasing after Christ. Um, so that's, that's where we're, we're at today in this. We're talking about peace, the fruit of peace. We need this desperately in our lives. The opposite of peace is this hatred and discord. So we've talked about sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. <laughs> Today, we're kind of talking about the hatred and discord portion of the, the vices portion, okay? That's what we're juxtaposing. You're going to know that word by the end of the series, juxtaposing, like boom and boom, boom and boom, okay? And so, uh, we're talking about peace as the opposite of this hatred and discord, this is interesting. When I started studying the Greek words that made up this, um, I really had never thought of it. I thought hatred would be just an easy study. Hatred would be like, oh, of course, this is what it is. Um, it's a little deeper than that. And I was just blown away by, by this. Um, Yvonne got my aha moment, I think, in the office. Like, ah! Usually about Tuesday or Wednesday, I have this moment of like, that is so cool. And then I have to sit on it for the rest of the week. So you get really amped up. Jared, that's really excited about um, this. Uh, But that's just how it goes. The word is eris. It means hatred, discord, uh, strife, eris. And this is interesting because eris is actually uh, an idol in Greek worship, in in the pagan mythology. She is the goddess of hatred, contention, and strife. She's the goddess of troublemaking. <laughs> I knew her. <laughs> so hopefully no one's named Eris in here because that's, that's rough. Uh, the, that's like being named Mara, which is bitter. And like, uh, 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 but hey, she's the goddess of hatred, contention, and strife. And where we see her in ancient literature is actually in the Odyssey. She's the one that gets the, the goddesses Aphrodite and uh, I can't remember the whole thing, but all of them to fight over each other that caused the, the war of 
and this is all mythology, we're not talking about this, but um, she's the one in pagan mythology that's, that starts the whole war over Troy and all that jazz. Her whole role in mythology is to cause problems, okay? Contention, hatred, and strife. So when Paul is talking about this, these He's just talked about idolatry and, and all these pagan rites that are going through with the witchcraft and the, um, the, the sensuality and all these things. These are all pagan things you would have maybe participated in the pagan temples. Now, my brain, because I don't know Greek mythology that well, and I'm definitely not reading Greek on a normal day. Like, I got to study really hard and there's smoke coming out of my ears when I try to read it. And when I, when I go into that, it's like, oh, wait a minute. He's still quoting this idolatry type of process. What he's saying is when we choose hatred, discord, distrust, instead of peace, we're actually choosing to worship this goddess of hatred, contention, and strife. It's still a pagan act. Ooh, that puts this whole thing. Because you and I, we're talking about, I'm really struggling with forgiving this person. I'm really struggling with the hatred in my heart. I'm really struggling with what this happened. I'm really struggling with this, um, this situation where there's a lot, of, a lot of angst and a lot of contention and strife. When we delve into that and we sit in that and we refuse to move past that into a peaceful relationship that God is calling us into, what we are actually choosing, according to Paul, is to worship a pagan goddess. Now that puts that in a whole different ballpark. Because it's like, it's something I'm working on. You don't work on worshiping a different God. You remove that from your life. And that hit me like a baseball bat. Oh, 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 that's rough. I don't know if I like that one, Jared. I didn't like it either. I've got my pet things that I like to be mad about. Anybody else got their pet things they like to be mad at? Right, But this is what it is, is Eris is this keeping of this hatred and this contention and this strife. And what Paul is putting against that is saying, listen, instead of choosing the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God who fights for you, you're choosing the goddess of hatred, contention, and strife. That just kind of opened up my brain to a whole different kinds of thinking. Like this is way more important than just it's number six and seven on the list of, of vices. Wow, this is right up there with idolatry because that's what it is at its root. And I know the people in this room, we have things, we have people that we are frustrated with. We have things that we're, we just can't seem to get past that one moment. And if we're wondering why maybe the fruit of the spirit isn't being evident in our lives, it's because we've put this wall of worshiping a different goddess of strife and hatred in our lives instead of stepping into the peace of God. Because sometimes I'm like, God, why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you, why haven't you taken this from me? Why is this, why is that, why is that? You've had those conversations probably with God. This puts into a different perspective because you still have malice in your heart, hatred in your heart. You're stirring up trouble. Because you keep on putting things in, in the way. But you don't know how bad that person treated me. It's still there. It's tough stuff. This is one of those moments when we seek peace, real God-centered peace in our lives. We can't help but move ourselves and others around us towards God. 
this is not easy. This is, this is not training wheel stuff. This is not cookies on the lowest shelf. This is I got to work for it. I got to struggle through it. I got to deal with some serious soul issues, but it's worth it. A couple questions for you. Is your attachment to hate more important to you than finding peace in God? Is your attachment to your hate more important to you than finding your peace in God? Is your attachment to, conf- to your conflict more important to you than finding peace in God? Whatever your issue is, you may be thinking, Jared, I don't hate anybody. I'm, I'm cool with everybody. Really? How about your in-laws? How about that coworker? Some of you stress level, your heartburn just went up. It's like, Jared, it's Sunday. I don't have to deal with that until tomorrow. Right. But is your attachment to conflict more important to you than finding peace with God? One of the th- lies that we've told ourselves that in worldly peace is defined by this, but godly peace is not, is toleration is not peace. Toleration is not peace. The distinction is important. We're not called to bear the fruit of peace. We're called to bear the fruit of peace, not toleration. <coughs> peace goes through the storm and stays strong through the storm. Toleration will be blown up at the first sign of frustration and toleration. Peace um, that is toleration is like peace that is between countries where there's a simmering idea of war. We tolerate different things, but if a slight is enough, we will go to war. That is on a country global scale in our own relationships. We'll tolerate so many slights, but that... happens, right? Thanksgiving, 2009. <laughs> right? You remember those meals? You remember those times? You remember that? You remember the time when uh, Joe broke the door slamming it so hard when he left? You remember when so-and-so put a, you know, anybody has a teenage boy when they put their fist through a drywall? Um, it's like a rite of passage that we really should stop, but it happens, Right? Is your attachment to your conflict more important than your finding peace? You may be totally in the right to be mad. You have every right. You were slighted. You were hurt. You, you dealt with the abuse. You may have every right. You are right to be ticked off. But it's still causing you angst and worry, frustration. Do you want to stay there? Just to be right? Or do you want to find peace in God? Like I said, these cookies are not on the bottom shelf. This is tough stuff. We miss peace when this might hit close to home. I want you to pull out the self-reflection of your, your heart. We miss peace when we wait on an apology that will never come. If you are waiting, if once that person apologizes, we are good to go. 
I ain't going to apologize. Maybe they're not self-aware enough to know they even hurt your feelings. Maybe they don't care. We wait for apologies that will never come. Do you know how much you can carry angst and frustration and ugh in your life? That's a theological term, ugh, in your life. You can carry that if you just wait for apologies that are never going to come. Wait 50 years, never going to come. We wait on our perceived justice that might never come. I'm just waiting for them to get theirs. And then when I feel that like cosmic justice has been doled out, then we can get along again. I'm just waiting. Like I walk around waiting for God to smite them. Like a bird to do something on their shoulder, a lightning bolt to come down, whatever. I'm waiting on on cosmic justice and then we're going to be okay. I'm waiting for them to get a car wreck. You do it. That's nasty, but you do it. I'm waiting on them to get foreclosed on. I'm waiting on them to have to do something. I'm waiting on them for the cops to do something to them. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. waiting. You're waiting on your perceived justice. Whatever you think that should be, it's never going to come. It might, it might not. But you are holding your own peace hostage based on whatever happens to somebody else. That's rough. Third, we wait on something to happen to continue life. We just wait on that one thing to happen to continue life. I don't know what it is for you. I know what they are for me. I know how I've held this into my life and, and waited for, oh, I just can't wait for that to happen. They just need this to happen. And then something else totally happens. You know, they win the lottery. They get the job. They find happiness, those jerks. How, how dare they? Don't they know how miserable I am? They should be miserable like me. You're only miserable because you won't let that stuff go. You ever been mad at somebody else's happiness? Let's be honest. I won't show, ask for a raise of hands on that. But that's what we're running away from peace and we're running into the arms of heiress of strife and hatred and frustration, discord. You're holding your life hostage while you wait. See, peace is more, biblical peace is more than a lack of conflict. I, you need to understand that because we use peace as a slogan for everything, right? We, we do peace, peace, peace. We've got a little smiley face that does peace. We've got fingers that do peace. All peace, 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 peace. But the biblical peace is a peace that is fought for and won. That is what, the, what God's peace is. And so that's a little bit different than just seeking tranquility. I have some pictures I want to show you here today um, that kind of maybe illustrate what we think peace is, what the world thinks peace is, um, even how other religions define peace, and the difference between what, what a biblical God-centered peace is. And I've I, I started thinking about these images um, really because I wanted to go to a beach. Um, and and that, was, that was really why these images popped in my head. But the first is this peace. Um, the fruit of peace is knowing who you are, whose you are, and who you're going to be. That's what biblical peace is. Knowing whose you are, that you have been bought with a price, that God loves you, that has, has cared for you, has forgiven and forgotten your sins. Who you are now, you're not who you were and who you're going to be. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to be with God for eternity. That's where my peace comes from. When I internalize 
who I am, how I was paid for, and who I'm going to be, when that has actually starts to become my identity, that I don't have to uh, keep on thinking about and finding my identity in my past hurts and hangups and stuff that I've dealt with. So many of us, we deal with our identity has become what I, who I was then and what happened to me at this time. The dumb things I've done. And some of you have done really dumb things. Your pastor has done some really dumb things. But if I only led out of who I was, then you wouldn't ever want to listen to anything I said. But instead, I, I want to be who I know God has called me to be. So this first picture is a picture of a beautiful, tranquil beach. Okay, it's on both of them. Great. Um, peace does not mean tranquil, but, was, but the strength to resist storms. This is, uh, everyone wants this. When we think of a beach, I want to be there. You want to be there? Give me a hammock. That, I'm good for a long time. Right? I need a little shade, a little more shade than one tree. Um, I got to get cooled off a little bit, but, uh, you know, give me a snorkel mask. I am happy. Just, just set me there for forever. And, um, you know, let's all move to Hawaii and we can start a church there. Uh, uh, game plan, go. Uh, right, so, um, but that's what peace is, except this next picture. This is what happens to when we call this tranquility and peace. Next picture. This is a beach, not the same one, but this is a beach after a hurricane. It's gone. No one wants to be there. But when we base our peace on tranquility and just the lack of conflict, this is what happens when conflict happens in our lives. You may have experienced this before, right? Because often when we just go on the beach vacation, we, we go on a beach vacation and nothing ever actually gets resolved. Nothing is ever actually strengthened or protected. We run away to the beach. <sighs> I get a week of niceness. And then we come back, or and that's, we, we come back, and then we come back to a, a mess because the storm is still raging. The storm is still happening. We haven't done anything to protect ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to, to deal with it. Instead, we've just kind of, we ignored it for a week, and who knows what can happen. Maybe a hurricane comes out of nowhere and flattens everything. Instead, I think biblical peace looks like this next picture. This is a huge lighthouse. That is like a hundred foot wave crashing into a lighthouse. Different area of the world, different ocean. <laughs> Those kids are going crazy downstairs. This is awesome. But this huge wave crashes into this lighthouse. Same thing. Biblical peace is to be able to stand firm when the waves are crashing. I'm going, I got this. I'm all right. We're fine. I mean, if I was in that lighthouse, I would, you, if you lived in that lighthouse, you'd have to trust the foundations of that lighthouse a little bit, right? These huge waves are hitting, this, all this stuff's going on, but this can be a beautiful picture as well. Next picture. That's the same lighthouse. Beautiful day. So it doesn't matter if it's 44 degrees outside with hurricane force uh, waves coming in or 85 and gorgeous outside. This this is a pretty tranquil picture. If I was on top of that, you could see for miles. Enjoy that view. Enjoy that time. The difference between the two pictures of a beach vacation and, and this lighthouse is I'm prepared to stand strong no matter if it's beautiful or if it's stormy. 
I'm not just seeking tranquility. I'm seeking a foundation that can withstand the good days and the bad days. Does this make sense? Give me a head rattle if it does. Thank you. This next picture, this is, this is, I love this picture. Uh, it's on posters all over the place and, and, and stuff, but this is that same lighthouse. And there's a guy right there. I don't know if you can see him on the screen. This huge wave is crashing. He's sitting there in his wool sweater, sipping his tea. He is not bothered in the least at this huge wave that could capsize ships, would destroy that beautiful beach we were on. He doesn't care at all. He's got his wool sweater, maybe a good book, and just chilling. I want to be that guy. You know what that guy's job is? To keep people, those around him safe enough to deal with the waves and the storms in life. He is not bothered in the least by this. He trusts his foundation. He trusts where he is at. He's not worried about any waves, any wind, anything. That's amazing to me. And that's what, what a beautiful picture of what biblical peace can be. This is where I'm at. This is who I am. This is who I am in God. What God's forgiven me of, what I've, what I've been pulled through. And I know where I'm going. I know that these stones have survived past storms. I know they're surviving this storm. And I know they will survive future storms. If we're honest with ourselves, does our faith look like that? Or does it look maybe like a hurricane-tossed beach that we got to really work really, really hard at to make it look good again? I've spent way too much of my time on a hurricane, seeking a, a beach that gets blown up by hurricanes. And then I got to work really, really hard to make everybody else think my life looks pristine and clean and nice again. Just to have another hurricane come in, mess it all up, and I got to repeat the cycle Repeat the cycle, repeat the cycle, repeat the cycle. I'm probably the only one in the room that's ever dealt with that. But I want a different kind. Of, I want a lighthouse kind of faith. See, there is a storm and I'm safe. There is a storm and I'm safe and there's a storm and I can help you be safe. This is the attitude of the lighthouse keeper. There's a storm and I'm safe and there's a storm that I can help you be safe. That is what it means to have the biblical fruit of peace. Because everyone that you meet, everyone you come in contact with, the people that you live with, the people that you work with, the people that you come in contact with during your hobbies or whatever that is, they're going through some sort of storm. They may hide it well. They may not hide it well at all. But there's a storm and you can be safe and there's a storm and you can help others be safe as well. That's what the lighthouse kind of peace does. You guys are familiar with what a lighthouse does. It warns people that, hey, you can crash here. Hey, this is a crazy area. Watch out. There's safety this way. Let me guide you in. That's what fruit of peace looks like in our lives. This biblical word of peace is, uh, is Aaron A. Aaron A. If you have the name Aaron and are a girl, your name means peace. Or if they spelled your name with an E. Um, 
there you go. It's, that's what that is. So congratulations. We've done that. lots of girl names so far, right? Uh, nobody's named Agape. Uh, that would be kind of a cool name, but it's, nobody's named that. But uh, Cara, Cara last week for joy and Aaron A or Aaron uh, for, uh, for peace. And there you go. Maybe you learned something about yourself today. <clears throat> but this Greek word of, of Aaron A means peace. It's the lighthouse kind of peace. It means tranquility, but it means tranquility with a base. It's a peace that's fought for. It's the resolution of a war. It's not something that is um, just given. It's something that has to be participated in and kind of earned through it. And I think sometimes when we look at peace in our lives, I just want it all to stop. I want, uh, we were looking for that panic button or that stop button or the brakes or the e-brake uh, in life, which we all get there. For a lasting biblical peace, there's some sort of conflict we have to persevere through, push through. Because if we're going to bear fruit, if we're going to move ourselves and those around us towards Christ, we have to take this seriously. All right, practically, how in the world, Jared, do we do this? Glad you asked. This is hard stuff. Like I said, this is, this is not easy things. And maybe you're at a point right now, you're sitting in the seat like, "Uh uh-huh, I've been here before, Jared. I want to get past that, but I can't. Okay, I get it. Let's let's work through it. This is not just a quick, easy button. Oh, I'm done. Thanks, Jared. You said that. I'm good now. Right? Because some of the wounds that we're dealing with are wounds that we've built up wounds and on wounds, on top of wounds, dealing with our first wound. Right? We, We have all kinds of, there's just, it's kind of even started to become part of our identity that we have this wound. And to say, hey, I'm going to deal with that, this, the, the wounds that I have that cause the contention and the frustration and the discord in my life, if I'm going to deal with that, I don't even know who I am anymore after that. But to seek, seek biblical peace and have the, the fruit of peace in our lives, some major things need to happen. So practically, how do we do this? These are not easy steps. I wish I could sugarcoat them and be like, oh, you did these five things. Got it. It doesn't work that way. Just honestly, it doesn't work that way. This is hard stuff. These are things that you're going to have to work through. You're going to journal through. You're going to have to pray about. You're going to have to persevere through. They will have uh, opportunities of contention around them because these are the moments. If you want to take your next step in faith, You want to say, I want to be a different person. As we talked about four or five weeks ago, we're talking about being all in with Christ this year. All in. All parts of me in. That also means giving all of my past to God to say, God, you do with that what you want. There's parts of of my past that I, I I don't share with you guys, but there's also parts of my past that I open up and say, here you go. This is me. You want to poke at it? You want to look at it? This is what I've dealt with. Because I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to be held captive by the stupid stuff that I did in life. I'm going to leverage it and say, you know what? Because Perry's struggling with the same thing that I've done. Pete struggled with the same thing I've done. I can't be the only person that's done that. And by me being open and vulnerable enough to say, you know what, past, you don't control me anymore. Instead, I'm going to be a lighthouse keeper and stand here and I can start to bring peace and say, Perry, don't go there. You're going to wreck your ship. That's who I want to be. And that's what being biblical peace, bringing biblical peace and having that fruit cultivated in our lives looks like. So how do we do that? This is not easy stuff. Okay, so don't give me your excuses. I can't do that. 
I already told you, it's hard. Anything worth doing is going to be difficult. First is this. Seeking the fruit of peace in your life. Seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness. Uh, I want people to seek forgiveness from me, not me to go to somebody else to seek forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, I know. But if I got that, if I'm examining these, these moments of contention in my life, I probably had a role to play, right? Let's say Missy slighted me. She did something just to tick me off. You know what? If, I made, if Missy did something to tick me off, I probably did something to cause that to happen. <laughs> right? Especially with Missy. But uh, if, if that, there needs to be something that happens, like whether, you know, they mistreated me, she mistreated me, she didn't mistreat me, whatever. I need to seek forgiveness and say, Missy, I need, this, this has gotten out of control. And I'm sorry if I offended you. And I'm sorry if this hurt. And I'm sorry if this, maybe it's a huge thing. Maybe it's something you've been layering over for 20 years and you just need to seek forgiveness for it. And eat your pride and say, I am sorry. It is not up to you to get forgiveness. It is up to you to seek forgiveness. Okay? Because your excuse is, well, what if they don't forgive me? I don't care. That's not on you. You can't control it, can you? I wish I could. I'm going to say, Jennifer, I'm so sorry. And Jennifer's like, I just, I love you. Yeah, No, she's still like, you're a jerk. Possibly. In your eyes, I can see how I'm still, but I can't control that. What I controlled is, you know what? I went up to Tommy and I said, Tommy, I am sorry. I controlled. I, I was obedient to God. I'm, I'm seeking to restore this. I'm going to quit worshiping at the idol of Eris. Instead, I'm going to step fully into the, the, into the peace of God and say, you know what, Tommy? I am sorry. And then he gets to choose whether he's going, how he's going to react to that. And if you're apologizing to another Christian, folks, we got to get to this peace. People that aren't, aren't experiencing a life with Christ, I wouldn't expect much out of them. Because this is not the standard that we hold each other to. But seek forgiveness. I know that's tough, right? Because that means you got to be humble. you got to admit you were wrong. Admit weakness. You can't control how they're going to receive it. If they will receive it, they'll even listen to you. But you can at least take the steps to seek it. Second thing you got to do. Oh, before I did that to earn an apology from someone who might not want to give it to you. In my house, uh, especially with my son, especially my, <laughs> uh, Lucy's too young to learn this and Kendall never does anything wrong. So, uh, so with my son, who he's killing it right now. He's doing great. Kelly last night even looked at Bowen and said, Bowen, I, I like this Bowen. I always love you, but I really like this Bowen. <laughs> and he's just doing really well. But we talked about, he'll apologize. I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry I did that. You said you're sorry about the same thing 16 times this week. I'm thinking you're not really sorry about it. I said, so buddy, the best apology is changed action. The best apology is changed action. He looks at me with a blank look. I know that's deep. The best apology is don't do that anymore. Oh. So we, we, I'll come back to it. It's a reminder. Buddy, the best, the best apology is changed action. So if you really want to forgive, you ask, seek forgiveness of somebody, you ask for forgiveness and you're like, you know, you don't have to forgive me right now. I just, my actions are going to be different. So whether you give it to me today or not, it's okay. Just know that that's not going to be my behavior anymore. And then you earn their trust back. That makes sense? That's hard. I think it's a little parenting thing too there for you. Second thing is this, 
give forgiveness. Give for forgiveness. You, can, you know you can give forgiveness to somebody before they ask for it? Did you know that? That you can forgive somebody before they ask for it? Like I said, sometimes we are held hostage. If, they just would have, if Missy would just say, I'm sorry, then I would totally forgive her and we could be friends again. Or through the fruit of peace in my life, I forgive her. I don't know if Eric meant to do that to me or not. I don't know if he meant to hurt my feelings. You know what? Probably didn't. You know what? We're better friends than that. Do I want to leverage my whole friendship with him over this silly thing? Eh, I'm giving forgiveness. That's hard too, right? We want to be white. We want to hold it over somebody's head. You should grovel. My friendship is something to be earned. Wait a second. That doesn't sound like biblical beast or joy or love at all, does it? Give forgiveness freely. A lot of times the people you're waiting on an apology from, they've already forgot they needed to apologize. It's not coming. And you've been waiting so long to hear that apology. Your heart is so hard that even if they actually did apologize, it wouldn't be good enough. Right? If, you, if you're a baseball fan, you knew you couldn't get through a message without getting through baseball, right? So if you're a baseball fan, if you paid any attention to the Astros right now, they, came, they were cheaters. Cheater, 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 pants on fire, you're a cheater. Like, and you need to have baseball thrown in your direction. So but cheaters. And so they came out and they said, uh, we're sorry. And then they walked off. And everybody lost their stuff because it was not a real apology. And you've gotten those before and you get really mad. Like, that's not a, Dean, that was not real. Dean and I had a conversation. He's, he's ready to quit baseball, being a baseball fan because the Astros are jerk faces, right? And this is recorded. That is for posterity. The Astros are jerk faces. <laughs> but we, you know, there's this, there's this whole strife in that. People, they can ask for forgiveness and it won't ever be good enough. For thousands of baseball fans all over the world, the Astros could grovel. It wouldn't be good enough. There's people in your life that even if they said, I was wrong, I'm sorry, what can I do to make it up for you? It would never be good enough. Biblical peace says, you know what? It doesn't matter if the slight was small or big or the size of the Grand Canyon. Just give it. Because that's the kind of forgiveness God has given us. It doesn't matter if it's a little white lie when you were four or you ran a street gang of, you know, crazy proportions. God has forgiven us. Third thing we do is we become forgetful. Just become forgetful. Just become forgetful. It's easy, right? No, no, because some of you just said, you don't know what they did. I can't forgive them. Or I, get, I, get you, I have conversations with you. I can forgive them, but I can't forget. The problem with that is if you, if you forgave and you didn't forget, you didn't, 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 didn't really forgive. Because the biblical model of forgiveness is what God does. Is he said, Paul comes and says, Lord, mm, I'm sorry that this was in my life, blah, 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 blah. And God, in his infinite capacity to forgive us, forgives us. And then the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, it gone. He deleted it, emptied the trash bin. It's never to be found again. 
But we love. I'm going to forgive you. We throw in the trash. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick out number seven. Dust it off. A little spaghetti sauce on it. It's even nastier now, making me mad. Matter that's got spaghetti sauce on it. We pick it up. Become forgetful. This is a beautiful way in which we get to become more and more like Christ. Become forgetful. Now, to, to become forgetful, I want to directly speak into the, Jared, I can't, I can't forget that. Okay, let's, let's leverage these. Like I told you about stuff in my life. I want to leverage the things that have happened to me. How do we leverage maybe the wounds in our past, the contentions in our life and the stuff, right? We forgive the person and then we learn from it. And this is the key phase. We learn from it and then we forget the bad stuff. Okay? We forgive the person, then we learn from it, and then we forget the rest. When there's slights, when there's issues, when there's stuff, let's just keep the stuff we can learn from. The rest of it's not worth it. Right? We process it. Like, there's a lot of trash when you start mining silver. There's a lot of dross. You got to beat the tar out of the silver. You got to burn it a little bit. You got to work through it and then something beautiful comes out of it. The pain and the stuff in your life, there's a lot of trash. So let's beat that out of it, get rid of it and keep the beautiful. Does that make, make sense? Because some of us, we, we just do the forgive and forget thing. We don't ever learn and so the cycle keeps on happening to us. So I'm not going to maybe, uh, you know, Isaiah's lied to me repeatedly. He is not, okay? Uh, but Isaiah's rep- lied to me repeatedly. He's broken this trust. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll forgive him for this, but I'm going to learn. You know what? I'm not going to trust Isaiah with my deepest, darkest secrets. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to hold it there. I've learned from the situation. I'm just forgetting it, forgetting the rest of it. I don't need to bring it back up that he hurt my feelings, that he did all these things. No, no, no. I'm just going to be smarter, and I'm not going to trust him with these things. Does that make sense? Okay, so we can leverage the pains in our life and the stuff in our life just to be smarter that doesn't mean that we have to be naive to everything. Like, oh, he said he was sorry. Here's my heart. I can't believe he hurt me again. No, just guard yourself a little bit. That's okay. You learn from it and you leverage it. You can still be forgetful. Fourth thing is look to the future. Look to the future. Who you were, who you are, and who you're going to be. Who does Christ say you're going to be? You are going to be a new creation. You are a new creation. You will be with him for eternity in heaven. What does my future look like? What do I want it to be? What do I want the future for my family to be? Do I want myself in 20 years still to be mired in the same junk that's holding me back today? Or do I want to be free of it? Do I want to be new? Because the promise of God is you get to be a new creation. You don't have to be held back by that anymore. That's what the peace of God gives you. So often we spend our lives looking in the rearview mirror, looking at how things happened, how they, they, they messed up, how this was, ugh, that we forget the beautiful what's going to happen. The promise of God is we're a new creation. We have a hope. We have a future. The joy of our life takes over when we start doing that the ability to be lighthouse keepers and have the peace of the Lord in our life comes when we start looking at the future. Effective lighthouses are not built because of a wreck that did happen. They're built because of the wrecks that could happen. When someone smart says, you know what, this is really tricky. Let's put a lighthouse here. All right, let's build that. 
Because you know what? We don't want to lose a ship. We don't want lives to be lost. Either way, it's a good thing. Hey, there's a big wreck there. We should have had a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Put that in there. Next time. We don't just look at somebody should have put a lighthouse there. Somebody should have paid for that. Somebody. You are somebody. The fruit of the Spirit says this. You're going to be the person to build that. That's what bearing fruit looks like. You're the person that gets to shine light on it and say, hey, watch out. That's a, that's a really tricky area of whatever your life is. Look into the future. This morning, we have the opportunity to take communion. And we have the opportunity to take communion this morning. And in this communion, I want us to kind of sit in the idea of who God is and who he's calling us to be, that he's calling us to be peacemakers. And as we take the elements of communion, we get to participate in these elements of communion and think about that there is nothing that God wouldn't do to give us access to this kind of peace. That everything that we've done in our past has been forgiven and that our future is with him. That is what this represents. Here at Shore Church of God, we practice open communion, which means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, congratulations, you can take communion with us. There's no class you got to take or whatever thing going on. You are more than welcome to take communion with us. And so as we think about these elements being passed, as we think about this, I want the ushers are going to pass it out um, in the next song. And when they do that, Think about whatever you need to think about with maybe how you need to forgive somebody, how you need to forget something, how, who you need to seek forgiveness from, uh, how you maybe need to concentrate more on the future than the past, what that looks like for you. Because God has stopped at nothing for you to have peace in him, to rectify the relationship. He's done all the work. Lawrence, if you'd bring me some elements here real quick. As he, his body is broken for us and we take that in this, this moment of, of, of bread as we drink this grape juice in remembrance of his blood poured out for us to say, I want something better for you. I want a love for you. I want a joy for you. I want a peace for you. A peace that is fought for, that's been paid for. So let's think about those things this morning as we take this communion. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment. God, I ask you to help us become peace seekers, that the struggle and the strife and the frustration and the hatred that kind of strangles our soul this morning, that we would step fully into what you have for us, that we wouldn't be those people anymore, that that we'd take the hard steps of working through that that you would guide us through that, that we would seek help where we need to seek help, that we ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness, that we would maybe find uh, someone who can help us walk through that to encourage us through it because these are big steps. But the bounty of peace is worth it. The beautiful fruit that can be produced is so worth it. Thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe, and don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word.
Have a great week.